Future of Finance podcast, where finance finds its future. Hello, I'm Dominic Hobson, co-founder of Future of Finance. My guest today is Jonathan Dharma-Pollan, CEO of eCurrency, a company that promises central banks a turnkey technology to enable them to securely and efficiently issue digital fiat currency. In other words, central bank digital currency or CBDC alongside notes and coins. Jonathan, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Dominic. Now, if you followed carefully what I just said, uh, e-currency is promising a digital version of physical fiat currency, notes and coins, owned by whoever owns them. In other words, it's going to be a bearer currency. Is that a fair summary of what you offer? Uh, Yes, that is a fair summary. Uh, Of course, e-currency does not actually uh, mint or produce that currency. We produce the technology that then central banks subsequently use to mint and produce that currency. But yes, it's intended to uh, complement notes and coins as simply another form of fiat currency. And as you just said, the central banks are actually going to use your technology to mint this uh, digital fiat currency, how are they going to make that available to the people who need it, to the banks, to the payment service providers, the merchants, eventually, of course, to consumers? The the essential nature of uh, what we have enabled uh, are, are three processes. One is the process by which a central bank creates the currency, minting, essentially, uh, that then allows a central bank to take the minted currency and put it through existing uh, intermediaries uh, for purposes of circulation. And and for for the most part, the intermediaries that distribute physical currency today happen to be banks. But I anticipate that in the future, in addition to banks, there will be other fintech and or e-money enabled technologies and service providers who can uh, disseminate the central bank currency into the hands of the public. As you've just pointed out, 80, 90% of of money in circulation is is commercial bank money created by commercial banks. As you look forward, as this technology is implemented, do you anticipate there will be a a sort of one-to-one replacement of physical notes and coins, which are the only form of central bank money, which the man or woman in the street can can access these days. It's sitting there on the central bank balance sheet. Do you expect that, the notes and coins component on a central bank balance sheet to to be replaced one-to-one with this new form of digital fiat currency and everything else will remain the same? Or as a result of this new digital fiat currency, there are going to be wider effects on commercial bank money creation. Is this going to have effects beyond the obvious, in other words? Uh, Well, there's essentially sort of two commonly known forms of central bank money. Uh, And in some situations, there's a third. So the two commonly known forms of central bank money are physical cash and central bank money that is then used by commercial banks for purposes of bank settlements to take place. The third form of central bank money in, in certain countries happen to be uh, various forms of treasury bills or notes uh, that a central bank uh, offers their public. But if you go to the first two forms, uh, physical 
cash, uh, which we typically think of as M0 uh, currency in circulation, is directly available to the public to use. The reserve money, at least the settlement money that banks use to settle amongst themselves, is not available to the public for use. So what we see is that the physical cash that's available for the public to use to be complemented by another form of money, which is digital currency. How soon or how fast the physical cash that we know of as notes and coins disappears is, uh, uh, is really up to the uh, nature of you know, how quickly the public adopts the use of that digital currency. So over time, we would expect that digital currency adoption will slowly increase and the existence of physical cash will slowly decrease. Whether or not it would go completely out of circulation, well, uh, I personally, frankly, doubt it'll go completely out of circulation, that physical cash will go out of circulation, but uh, we'd probably anticipate some kind of an asymptotic curve as the use of physical cash drops and the... Uh, uh, use of digital currency increases. Well, I'll, I'll come back to you on one reason why physical cash might survive. But before I do, I'd like to pick up one of the points you made about the reserve, central bank reserve form of, of central bank money, which is, as you rightly pointed out, used between the banks to settle gross what they owe to each other uh, every day, sometimes more than once a day. What is the impact of uh, digital fiat currency going to have on what has become quite a complex payments infrastructure in, in developed economies, where you've got these real-time gross settlement systems at the central bank, where the banks finally settle uh, what they owe to each other. But that's gone through automated clearinghouses where it's, where it's been netted. And they themselves are, of course, uh, aggregating all sorts of payments, which have gone not just through banks, but through payment service providers, through credit card networks, through mobile applications, and so on. Do you think that this digital form of fiat currency is going to affect that quite, well, that, in fact, that definitely complex uh, ecosystem or infrastructure of payment systems. This is a digital bearer form of, of currency. Is it going to affect the way payments are aggregated, netted, settled inside central banks? Well, effect is a very broad term. Uh, and, and it's very hard uh, for us to predict how things play out. But the essential nature of what banks do is different than just simply enabling payments. Banks have a role in the creation of money and the growth of economies. So in addition to settling at a central bank, a commercial bank actually allows for loans uh, and other uh, financial instruments to be made available to the public. Uh, and they 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 use these instruments or the public uses these instruments to actually enable and grow the economy. Central bank digital currency does not necessarily play a role in the creation of uh, these forms of instruments and the intermediation that central uh, that commercial banks actually do. Now, Will we see acceleration in uh, the ability to either make deposits or withdrawals or to essentially uh, enable these loans to flow more efficiently uh, through the economy? Yes, digitalization does 
uh, create economies of scale, does uh, eliminate certain forms of friction that the, the physical nature of money sometimes creates. Um, so we would see some amount of expediency there, but we don't necessarily see commercial bank businesses to be uh, disintermediated because what commercial banks do is different than just merely enabling payments. You're implying that the velocity of money will increase, and that's a very interesting point. Perhaps we'll 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 come back to that. Sure. Uh, I promised first to to talk to you about why physical notes and coins might actually survive, and one obvious reason is that physical currency is anonymous; it's not traceable. You pay people the money; they don't have to know anything more about you other than that you're good for the money. Is this digital bearer form of fiat currency also going to be untraceable? If we are to maintain some of the precepts that have made transactions what they are in, in physical form, I would expect that the public's privacy will be preserved. Now, of course, in many of our democracies, we take that right and that privilege for granted, uh, but it is not necessarily the case that someone intended for privacy to exist in the exchange of physical currency it just happens to be uh, 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 a, a characteristic of physical currency that I don't think was intended one way or the other. However, uh, in many of our countries uh, and economies, the privacy of individuals from government uh, intrusion is um, uh, captured in our laws and our constitutions. And as a result, we would expect that that privacy would continue in, in a world of digital currency. If the laws require it, the technology to support those uh, concepts or precepts should, uh, should maintain uh, and should uh, transcend the transformation from physical to digital currency. Okay, here's a reason why physical notes and coins might not survive. And that's that they're insecure. Uh, if they're stolen, it's a bearer instrument, you've, you've lost you've lost the money. Uh, if your dog eats it, uh, again, it's a bearer instrument, uh, you can't retrieve it. Uh, so you, lead, you totally lose the value of the money. Is the same going to be true of digital bearer fiat currency? Well, this is a a trade-off that we are going to have to consider and central banks are going to have to consider. If there is no association of the digital currency with the holder um, and the holder happens to drop that digital currency uh, in the lake, their ability to execute that digital currency will go away. The digital currency itself doesn't disappear. It's just your ability to uh, execute its power, meaning to spend it goes away. Um, however, if you're willing to somehow uh, maintain proof that you are the owner of that digital currency and you're willing to uh, provide that proof in, in, a, in, in an event where that digital currency is somehow either misplaced or lost, uh, in the digital world, it is possible to regain the power to use that digital currency. The trade-off here is, again, the point you made earlier, which is privacy. Who are you willing to uh, expose the fact that you own that digital currency to? Uh, and who is going to be the arbiter of uh, that proof? 
and who is going to then uh, replenish the currency you claim you've lost. If that is to be the central bank, then you are likely to give up some amount of privacy to the central bank. If that is going to be some form of an intermediary, whether that be a commercial bank or a technology service provider of some sort, or a wallet service provider, um, or some custody holder, then you're giving up a certain amount of privacy to that entity. So these trade-offs will have to be either decided through policy or decided as a practical matter uh, when they uh, when they happen to uh, take place. As you just pointed out, there are trade-offs here. This might be a, a turnkey technology, but it doesn't answer all the questions a central bank might have. Those trade-offs devolve, I suppose, in my own mind into a, into a kind of trilemma between convenience, privacy, which you've just talked about quite a bit, and of course, security, uh, the risk that the dog eats your eats your notes. Now, presumably, different central banks are going to strike a different balance between those three factors. Do you have any sense yet of, of where central banks are, are, are tending in terms of the balance, the trade-off, to use your phrase, between convenience, privacy, and security? Well, I, I actually don't think that's a set of trade-offs that the central banks have to worry about. I frankly think that the general public has to worry about uh, those sort of that trifecta of, of trade-offs. Uh, and I've been frequently told uh, security, privacy, and convenience, you, you can have two of those. You can't have all three at the same time. Um, I, I think the trade-off that the central banks have to be thinking about uh, happen to be a bit different. What the central banks have to frankly think about in a digital currency world is the non-counterfeitability of the currency they have created. In other words, the, that they can rest assured that only what they've created is in circulation, no more, no less. If there needs to be more, only they are in a position to increase that currency in circulation, and only they are in a position to decrease that currency in circulation. This is, a, this is the issue that central banks have to contend with, for starters. From there, they have to worry more about whether or not the currency they have created is useful to the public, as in, is it convenient to use? Does it uh, apply to day-to-day -day practical issues that the public people face? And does it apply to our uh, easing our lives or greasing the skids for our, uh, you know, remo removing friction from um, from our uh, transactions. Once those are solved, the public will, I believe, make decisions about the trade-offs between uh, privacy, security, and uh, convenience. Many of these trade-offs are, in fact, historical, aren't they? And I'm often struck by how long we've been talking about digital money in fact we used to talk about e-money in the in the 1990s we were probably talking about it in the 1980s i just i just can't remember but one of the things that struck me as interesting about your business is actually you e-currency long predates uh central bank digital currencies stable coins tokenized deposits which have given 
and of course cryptocurrencies, which have given such new life to this debate about digital money. So when CBDCs came along, did you think, oh, that's that's what e-currency is all about? We're all about central bank digital currency, or were you thinking differently? No, I think uh, from the very start, we started to recognize that money itself was being abstracted. It was being abstracted in many different ways. Uh, cryptocurrencies just being sort of one branch of this abstraction. The real abstraction was that we were executing transactions without actually being in the same place at the same, at the same time as the people we were transacting with, whether that it was me sending money to uh, a college student or it was me buying um, an item on the internet. We were, we were transacting uh, and transcending space and time in our transactions. So it became quite obvious to us that money itself will need to tran transcend space and time. The question then was whose money was it going to be? Was it going to be <clears throat> purely a privately enabled form of money, <clears throat> whether that be e-money or credit that's extended to us by credit cards, or was there going to be a public money that could transcend space and time? And it seemed inevitable to us that at some point uh, the, the central banks realized that there was a call upon them to provide that public good, which is currency, uh, except that they would provide that public good in a manner that would transcend space and time, uh, that being digital. And so we got to wondering how would a central bank then create this instrument, a non-counterfeitable digital item, and put it into circulation in such a way that the uh, that you and I could uh, use on a daily basis. And even though we didn't call it central bank digital currency in those days, that's essentially what we had imagined. Um, and we set about trying to build the technology, and I think we've succeeded at it, that central banks can then use to mint this currency and to put it into circulation. That's sort of the history of where uh, e-currency comes from. Well, the history of e-money is itself quite interesting because, of course, e-money now means something very specific. It means a 100% cash reserved payment token, if you like. And it was a, a form of money created to deal with exactly the problem you alluded to. The internet yes. came along. You need money, which is free of, of time and space to, you know, to to, to handle e-commerce on the internet. And now the internet has evolved uh, again. Uh, and may eventually evolve into the metaverse, but it's certainly one of its um, new facets, if you like, is is blockchain. And I wonder how you see blockchain technology, which has given us these uh, these cryptocurrencies. It's created this need, cryptocurrency trading's created this need for for stable coins. It's it's given rise in a rather circuitous way to to tokenize deposits. But do you think blockchain technology has a long-term role here? Or is it just a complete red herring for central banks looking to create a CBDC? How much does blockchain technology matter to central banks? Well, you sort of asked the question about whether blockchain in itself is a red herring to central banks. Yes. Uh, it may well be a bit of a wake-up call and it's an umbrella under which uh, various forms of creating and or 
executing transactions might fall. But we, but I believe that we have to look beyond sort of blockchain technology itself, uh, look under the covers to see what it is that actually creates the possibility of a secure digital item. What creates a possibility of a secure digital item it happens to be cryptography. Uh, blockchain uses cryptography. And I believe that any digital currency or central bank digital currency will also use cryptography. So the effective use of cryptography, which blockchain happens to have, but is not limited to blockchain, uh, will become a key uh, uh, component or a key enabler of what a central bank digital currency uh, becomes. Now, one of the reasons why that cryptography evolved into what we think of as blockchain or distributed ledger is because there was an attempt by uh, those promoting this to create trust without a trust entity. Uh, hence the block and hence the chain. Um, so without actually getting into more detail about how blockchain works, if we are talking about a central bank digital currency, we are already saying that there is a trust entity which happens to be the central bank. And as that trust entity using cryptographic uh, protocols, they should be able to create a secure digital, digital item without using blockchain. So yes, I think blockchain was a bit of a wake-up call for central banks, but whether or not central banks will ultimately end up using blockchain itself, uh, I think is doubtful. However, will central banks use the mechanics behind blockchain, uh, such as cryptography? I believe that that would be the case, yes. If I'm Long answer to a simple question. Yeah. But if I've understood you correctly, what matters is not the the technological protocol, if you like, it's the cryptography that, that matters. And how important is that, if you're looking at this from the point of view of a central bank, um, is explaining that to them difficult? Uh, how easy is it for rivals to central banks to make use of the same cryptographical techniques to create competitors to, to central bank money. What's the balance in a way between the role of the central bank as a trusted intermediary, which you've just pointed out, and the role of cryptography to create a kind of trustless uh, alternative to that? Is the central bank creates the best of both worlds by being both trusted and, and secure, but also capable of using cryptographical techniques. I'm rambling a bit here, but I'm wondering how important that cryptography is in to the long run success of your prescription for the future of digital fiat currency? Well, it has already created that question because there are various parties out there who have claimed that there is no need for a central bank uh, and that we can put our trust in the code uh, and that there is no reason to have a, a trusted party uh, as a central bank somehow um, being the arbiter or the supplier um, of currency for common use. In other words, you and I and several of my friends can get together and decide what a currency is and off we go. Um, I, I think in the, in the theoretical realm, uh, that's an interesting conversation. 
But the reality of it is in a in a trustless world or in a lawless world, the lawless abide. Um, and I think we have seen, uh, and I, you know, I, I will not quote the examples that the tendency for uh, trust placed in code to veer off and go off the rails, so to speak, is, is quite high. Uh, so despite the theoretical promise of a trusted, trustless currency, uh, the reality of it is that I don't think that has uh, managed to uh, uh, become a reality. I frankly do believe that central banks and a trust entity is necessary. Uh, hence the, the bet we have placed that building a technology for them to, to empower them to do what it is they do, which is to provide a trusted, legally viable uh, currency instrument uh, is what will survive in the long run. Let's assume a central bank mints this digital fiat currency, which is cryptographically secured. How is it going to be distributed to the people who need to use it? How are the users actually going to hold this currency? Are they going to have digital wallets? Presumably they're not going to all have accounts, as it were, at the central bank. Are they going to use digital wallets? Is that your vision? Well, uh, yes. So there, there were sort of two questions embedded there. How is it going to get distributed? And then how is someone going to hold it? Yeah. Um, central banks today have a very particular mechanism they use to distribute currency. And this is almost universally true. There are a few exceptions. For the most part, central banks use intermediaries like banks and potentially some other financial institutions to take currency that they produce, the currency that they mint and issue, uh, to get it into the hands of the public. They almost never attempt to get it in the hands of the public directly. Although I can think of a few examples where uh, you and I could go to the central bank and ask for currency in exchange for some value asset. Um, but for the most part, they use intermediaries. In other words, they have rails that they use to send currency out from the center, the central bank, into the uh, realm of public use. Uh, in the short or the medium term, central banks will continue to use those mechanisms to get that currency distributed. However, they don't have to be limited by the mechanisms they have today. There are... Uh, uh, numerous ways in which central banks can distribute currency to the public, uh, but I doubt they will bypass existing intermediaries in the short to medium term. Oh, Gosh. to the second part of your question, right. which is how will the public hold the currency? Yes. yes, they will hold that currency in secured wallets. And I say secured wallets because I don't anticipate a time where someone will write down a cryptographic code on a piece of paper, which they will recall later in the hopes of finding their currency. Uh, I do believe that either intermediaries or other uh, custody service providers will provide secure wallets or secure wallets will be created in uh, handheld devices like our smartphones and or our smart cards in which you and I can hold central bank digital currency. 
so just to, to follow up on that point, uh, this is not going to be like a cryptocurrency where you you don't if you lose your pin, you lose your 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 currency. After all, I mean, are you, are you to put the question plainly? Do you think uh, cryptocurrencies are now a sideshow? You know, if we'd had this conversation two or three years ago, we might have uh, you might have given a different answer to it. But cryptocurrencies arrived because these cypherpunks had lost faith in in fiat currency. You're now putting forward a proposition to totally rejuvenate uh, fiat currency and make it available in in a digital bearer form. Do you think the the cryptocurrency uh, I'm about to call it a, a delusion, we, we illusion dream. Let's call it a dream. Do you think the cryptocurrency dream is over now and it's going to remain a sideshow going forward? Well, I hate to try to predict the future there, but uh, you know, calling a cryptocurrency a currency in any form may well be a misnomer. Uh, I, I believe that there are certain characteristics that make a currency a currency. And it starts with uh, the law. In other words, uh, you know, what makes a US dollar a US dollar is the laws of the United States. You know, what makes an Indian rupee an Indian rupee are the laws of the nation of India. So these underpinnings have nothing to do with whether they're cryptographically encoded or printed on pretty green colored pieces of paper. It, ha it really has to do with the fact that the law of the land enables that currency to exist. We haven't seen, uh, except in sort of, odd circumstances, any law supporting the existence of a cryptocurrency. So by definition, a cryptocurrency is not a currency at all. It is uh, some uh, it is some commodity or asset. And I know that's being debated, whether it's a commodity or an asset or, or an investment vehicle. Um, it may be one or all of those, but I doubt very much that it's a currency. To say nothing of the fact that the U.S. dollar and the Indian rupee are backed by the taxpayers of uh, the United States and in India as well, whereas the yes. cryptocurrency isn't backed by anything at all, I suppose. Uh, now, uh, what you're making available here is cash in, in digital form. Uh, cash use is declining in most uh, of the major economies. Do you expect making it available in a digital form will increase the amount of cash in circulation or decrease the amount of cash seems to me central banks quite keen on decreasing the amount of physical cash in circulation do you expect digital cash to reverse that trend um i i believe that it's a it's the it's our uh need to and and convenience is a component of it uh, the need to again transcend space and time have become a component of it uh, our need to stop being uh, physically tied to the execution of transactions is what is causing cash use to drop in certain economies. Uh, it is not the fact that the central banks are not willing to provide a capability to the public that they can use. So the Cash use is dropping merely because uh, the use of a, no, no different than the use of a pen and a piece of paper. We have stopped using pieces of paper and pen, or we have reduced the use of pieces of paper and pen 
because we are storing our information more and more digitally. Um, whether or not central banks react to that is partly an open question. Uh, when we stop using cash, should everyone be forced into an environment where they are using purely privately provided forms of money, whether that be credit or debit or e-money? Or is there a role for the central bank to provide this public good, which we think of as currency, in digital form? Um, it appears that that question is being answered by central banks. I think central banks are stepping up to say that they should have, uh, the public should have the option to use currency, not necessarily credit all the time or not necessarily e-money all the time. Uh, and can it be made available to the public at a very cost-effective, cost-neutral um, uh, form? Uh, you know, these are questions that are being answered, and I believe that central banks will uh, make the right choices, at least from our point of view, which is, yes, there is a role for the central bank to provide the public good that we think of as cash. And if the public isn't using a digital form of that cash, I'm sorry, if they're not using a physical form of that cash, uh, a digital form uh, should be made available. Like you sort of think about this as a transformation where central banks are providing coins and coins started to become very inconvenient. And so the central banks decided, okay, we're going to make it more convenient by producing notes. Mm -hmm. Well, notes are becoming inconvenient. So it's time for the central banks to think about providing digital notes. Okay. I'd like to, to make sure I understand what you're saying, because as you point out, physical currency is useless in, in e-commerce. One area where it is actually remains useful, of course, is among people who are excluded from the, the banking system. They don't have access uh, to current digital forms of money through the through the banking system. They use cash uh, to, to make payments and to get paid. And we saw we had a live experiment of this in, in India, where the Indian government tried to dispose of one particularly large denomination note, and it caused a great deal of, of difficulty. So do you think making fiat currency available in this digital form will decrease what's called financial exclusion from the banking system? Or the converse of that obviously is, is, is increase inclusion uh, within the central bank controlled system. What's the impact of this going to be on people who don't have bank accounts, to put it plainly? Well, I go back to my point that currency is underpinned by the law. And as such, it is a um, very inclusionary form of uh, enabling transactions. Meaning, if I am holding a $10 bill in my hand, it has exactly the same power uh, as you holding that $10 bill in your hand or my child holding that same $10 bill in their hands because it is legal tender that carries the its, its power and weight upon itself. It has nothing to do with who's holding it. The banking system, at least as we have built it, is a very discriminatory system. Uh, it's not an inclusive system. It uh, is highly discriminatory. It makes decisions about your creditworthiness. It makes decisions about 
how much you're able to keep in a bank account. It uh, requires you to have certain characteristics like uh, a home address, uh, a driver's license, uh, a name, um, a recognized ident form of identification, etc. none of which are required in the cash world. So how do you bridge that gap between a highly discriminatory system, which we think of as the financial system or the banking system, and a very inclusive form of money, which happens to be cash? Uh, does digital inclusion enable that? We believe so. Now, digital currencies, you don't just, you know, need a, a bank account. You need, but you don't need a bank account at all, but you certainly need electricity and you need the internet. You need access to both of those things. So even if, even if this digital fiat currency is more inclusive of people currently excluded from the banking system, how's it going to work if there's no electricity either temporarily or permanently, and there's no internet either temporarily or permanently. What happens if you don't have access to those two vital things? Well, to a great extent, these are sort of conditions that need to exist for a digital currency or frankly, any digital anything to exist. So imagine a time when someone invents a light bulb and you ask the same question. How is my light bulb going to work if there is no electricity? Well, the answer is, my light bulb is not going to work. Um, but that's not a reason for not inventing the light bulb. You'd still invent the light bulb and you find a way to make sure that electricity is, avail is available uh, most of the time, if not all of the time. So I, I believe digital currency sort of goes down that sort of same way of thinking. The functionality of digital currency is actually worth creating and making the necessary arrangements to make sure that electricity is available at all times and the internet is available at all times, a connectivity is available at all times, is a sort of, is table stakes. You, you have to assume that to even imagine a digital currency. Hmm. Now, should we have other mechanisms? Should electricity fail or the internet fail? Yes, the answer is yes. We have flashlights. So we invented the light bulb. We put electricity out there. But if it happens to go out, we have another mechanism called a flashlight to bridge us through the times when we don't have electricity. Well, a digital currency world would also create those options, the ability to store digital currency offline with or without power or the internet, and the ability to execute digital currency offline with or without power or the internet. But these are temporary measures to get us through uh, circumstances when, like you said, electricity and or the internet is not available. Mm -hmm. But this is not a reason not to invent the light bulb. And it's certainly not a reason not to invent digital currency. So you can still exchange this stuff using two battery powered telephones, I guess, is what you're you're really saying. And now you've been very clear that the the central bank is a crucial component, which our cypherpunk friends would would disagree. But you're clear about that uh, because it's a trusted uh, intermediary. What is digital fiat currency available in bearer form? This this digital form of physical cash going to do to central bank control of 
of monetary policy, of monetary conditions. Uh, right at the beginning of our conversation, you hinted that you thought this would accelerate the velocity of money in the economy. Do you think there are other effects which it will either enhance the control of the central bank over monetary conditions or do the opposite to central bank control of monetary conditions? What do you think the impact is going to be of this model of money? Um, so th there are sort of extremes or there are different ways in which a central bank can make central bank money available to the public. Uh, one mechanism that has been suggested is to give everyone access to the balance sheet of a central bank. In other words, give everybody an account of the central bank. Uh, theoretically, that would enable you and I to execute transactions in central bank money directly at the central bank. But central banks aren't geared up to do that. And it would be uh, sort of practically impossible to provide the customer support to large populations uh, by a central bank because I happen to have an account at the central bank. So there are practical reasons why that may or may not make sense. Uh, the reason why we think of this as a bearer instrument is because we're taking the uh, the power of central bank money, except we are massively decentralizing it into your pocket, right? Um, by doing so, we expect that the friction that's created in executing transactions between you and I will lessen. Will that change monetary policy? Not necessarily. So in as much as a central bank expects to keep their M0 stable and they introduce central bank digital currency, they will likely take some uh, physical currency out of circulation and nothing's changed. However, a central bank may look at some form of expansionist uh, models and choose to provide more liquidity under certain circumstances uh, directly to the public or through intermediaries to the public. And we've seen that happen, by the way. We saw it happen during the pandemic. Um, and they may choose to use digital currency as one, if not one of many mechanisms to, um, uh, to execute policy through central bank digital currency under emergency circumstances, under... Uh, crisis circumstances, under pandemic circumstances, who knows? Uh, but it, it's not a given that central bank digital currency will cause policy changes. Policy changes with policy changes is just a question of a central bank choosing this as one more lever to execute that change. Did I answer your question? You did. In fact, I've been thinking you've given very clear and articulate answers to all the questions I, I've raised. You've been thinking about these things. You've thought them through. You've been at this a long time, uh, which brings me, I think, to my to my to what I think will be my penultimate question, which is how much traction are you getting with your model? How many central banks have bought your technology? How many are in your pipeline? I believe... That, the, that central banks are going through a long, careful thought process about how they want to take advantage of the ability to digitize 
or digitalize the currency that they produce. Uh, different central banks are evolving through testing various technology components to see if this is even practical. However, we are now coming to a point where technology itself is not the challenge. We believe the technology to do this, not necessarily just ours, but the technology to do this already exists. The bigger challenges are, can central banks and countries and sovereigns and nations modify or evolve their laws to support a digital form of central bank money? Today's laws may or may not support that because when the laws were written, nobody had anticipated the possibility of a central bank digital currency. Now that it's here, uh, evaluating those and putting the right laws, regulations, and policies in place is, I believe, a major challenge. And I think central banks are starting to think very carefully about it. Okay. The second challenge is that the public has uh, either not gotten used to using digital money or where they have, they have been trained to use privately issued digital monies and not necessarily central bank issued digital monies. And to be able to provide a central bank digital money as an alternative and to train the public to use it is probably going to be the next large challenge. Meaning what is adoption going to look like? How do people choose to adopt this digital form of cash? Um, I think once central banks work their way through those two challenges, we will start to see significant adoption. Uh, in my personal experience, there are at least 80 central banks that are talking their way through this issue. Whatever those central banks are, are doing and thinking you're involved in something which is very significant and, and very ambitious. And this is my last question, I promise. What's the personal story that brought you to this business, which is so ambitious, so important to the future. How did you get here? Um, when a new technology becomes possible, there's frequently a rush to use that technology to potentially hijack a space. Meaning when the internet became possible, there was a rush to uh, capitalize on that internet, which was always intended as a public good by its creators. Uh, but there is an attempt to hijack it for purely commercial purposes. Now that money is about to become digitalized or it's, it is becoming digitalized, uh, there will be several uh, efforts to uh, use its power uh, to essentially hijack what has been frequently thought of as a public good, I keep telling you, uh, which is currency. Um, when, when I saw that sort of divergence happen, uh, it sort of drove me and several of my colleagues to sort of think about how do we keep this public good a public good in a digital world? Um, is it even possible? 
or are we do we just sort of write it off and give up on uh, the public good give up on our privacy give up on our ability to um, uh, enable uh, the equal power of currency in everyone's hands uh, and the answer basically came back that uh, sooner or later central banks will wake up to this and sooner or later central banks will uh, provide currency in a digital form and so we chose to play our small role in enabling that so your real motivation was your concern about the privatization of a of a public good is that right you said it better than i did yes thank you i will i will use that very i will use that very quote yes we were afraid of the privatization of a public good yeah. well feel free i'm glad to, to be able to give you something uh jonathan uh, dharma pollen thanks so much for taking the time to share your insights and knowledge 